the word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. Hello, hello, bienvenidos, uh, bonjour. This is Darwin Mesadu, aka Darwin Darko, coming to you live and direct with the Ekphrastic Podcast, where we paint pictures with words. Today's subject, we'll be talking about Hank Willis Thomas. He's a contemporary American artist, best known for his photography and appropriation art that considers racial identity through the lens of advertising and pop culture. But first, let's get into some art news. So the first thing we have up here is in Smart News in the Smithsonian Magazine, keeping us current, they say. Uh, we have a missing Australian masterpiece that was 115 years hidden in plain sight. What y'all doing? So this was a piece called The Pioneer from 1904 by Impressionist Frederick McCubin. Um, let's see what's going on here. Uh, so, widely heralded as one of Australia's greatest works of art, The Pioneer, a monumental 1904 uh, trip, triptych, I think I got that right, triptych, uh, by Impressionist Frederick McCubin, tells the story of a young family that settles in a part of Australian bush, later transformed into the city of Melbourne. And um, most Americans would probably just say Melbourne, so if I say Melbourne, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Alternatively, described as a self-consciously nas uh, nationalistic celebration of prosperity and elevation of the pioneer figure within Australian art history and an acknowledgement of rural laborers, poverty, and hardship, the work is famed for its ambiguous narrative. Now an exciting find by the National Gallery of Victoria in, in Melbourne uh, suggests that the pioneer's secrets extended quite literally beyond its surface. As Patrick Caroline reports for the uh, Sunday Herald Sun, the, the gallery's head of conservation, Michael Varco Cox, recently realized that the aptly titled Found, a painting created by McCubin in the late 1800s, spent more than a century hidden beneath the better-known triptych, obscured from onlookers by layers of vibrant green and brown brushstrokes. Found, which depicts a life-size Bushman holding a small child was previously known solely through a small black and white photograph included in the artist's scrapbook. Michael Vercoe Cox, the gallery's head of conservation, rediscovered the lost masterpiece after noticing the shadow of an odd shape on the pioneer's surface. So um, I'm going to skip forward a little bit here. A little bit here. What ended up happening is that um, <laughs> they used infrared in and found that there was something underneath the um, the painting. So he consulted x-rays taken of the Pioneer in 2013 and spotted shapes not present in the final composition. He adds, I started to realize the implications of what found actually was. It was the origin of the Pioneer. McCubin was an innovator in Australian art world, found, uh, founding the uh, Heidelberg School of Australian Impressionism with several contemporaries. The Pioneer is a exemplary example of the movement, 
which focus on Australian landscape as a simple a symbol of burgeoning national identity. So he found um, they they found the painting during its time received it received uh, plaudits when it was presented in 1893 uh, Victorian Artists Society exhibition but failing to sell due to its high price, a fact that may have contributed to the artist's later reuse of the canvas. So uh, the conservators uh, often uh, conservators often rely on technology like infrared reflexology, a technique for seeing under paintings and compositional alterations in paintings to determine whether works conceal hidden features beneath their final composition. Varko Cox, however, discovered the long-lost painting by sheer chance. As he tells the Herald Sun, if I wasn't walking through in the dark with a flashlight on my own, I probably would, wouldn't have had to, uh, focused on it. Make the connection and revisit the x-ray and rediscover this little photo is a scrapbook we had, to store, uh, we had in storage. Now, I, I'll say I don't know if that counts. I don't know if that counts. Um... <sighs> If you're an artist and you, I mean, I guess there's some mystique there. It's kind of cool underneath it all. And you you found a way to, it's like having a tattoo though, right? You have a tattoo and then you cover it up. You know, uh, maybe you had an old girlfriend or a husband or something like that all, all tattooed on you, their name or something. Then you, um, you, you creatively put a whole nother tattoo over it. It's kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't really count. It's no longer like, what am I going to, can I sell them separately? You know, can I sell it with the notion of the lore? Um, it, the other one, it's pretty, it, it's erased. And I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with art being temporary. It's, it's, well, you know, the whole industry would collapse if that was, <laughs> that was the case, you know, universally. But I'm just saying there, there can be a place in time where an, an art piece is created and is enjoyed by the people of that time or whoever the, I mean, even if it was just for 24 hours, you were in the space. It's like going to a concert and, you know, having your cell phone and recording it. I understand why some of these um, music music uh, shows do that nowadays where they're like, no, we want you to be here, be present in a moment. And the memory is what's going to be lasting and it will never be the same again. You're not going to be able to look in your phone. You're not going to be able to you know, to check the video on YouTube. No, we want this moment. And that itself is a certain dynamic of artistry that I can appreciate. Again, we can't do that. Um, we, we wouldn't have any of the art history or any of the, um, the uh, academia that's built around art uh, possible if, you know, that was universal. But I can appreciate if, you know, hey, they did this great, he did this, um, this great piece, he painted over it afterwards and that's fine it just be buried under there dormant he knows it's there he knows it's there the people at the time that saw it that didn't bid on it at the auction they know it's there you know they saw it they were edified by it in the moment and that's fine it just went away but that's cool they discovered it um and so you know it's a technology you know using infrared and you know random chance like flashlight you know in in, in different lightings you know, you can discover something that is cool. So that's why I brought that story to you guys. I thought that was interesting. All right, so let's move on. We have something here from Art News. Researchers find DNA bacteria on Leonardo da Vinci's drawings. 
This uh, this is written by Claire Selvin. Uh, early later, this was in um, November. So she writes: uh, New research has identified fungi, bacteria, and human DNA on some of Leonardo da Vinci's most famous drawings, including oh god, okay, how am I supposed to pronounce that? Okay, including Autoretrato and Uomo della Vita. Nailed it. <laughs> okay, so according to a report by the Spanish newspaper El País, it's possible that some of the particles have been on the artwork since their creation in the Renaissance. This is this is dope. I, I, I can't believe this is news because this, I feel like, should have been something we've been looking into, we should have been looking into forever, um, especially when you're trying to authenticate some of these, uh, you know, whether something is an original artwork, an art piece, and if you can find the DNA on the art piece, and, and hopefully it's just like, you know, you know, skin cells from your hands, it's like that, no other kinds of DNA, you know, we just stay where, all right, I'm just gonna leave that alone, but if you know you can you can examine the dna you can do your um the the matching of the of that dna to a not only the artist but also how long it's been there um and and you can authenticate a, you know this this artwork i wonder if there's something that maybe that's something i have to maybe they've been doing that again i'm just an amateur art enthusiast what do i know maybe they've been using this forever but here it is it's news uh, so a team of historians, microbiologists, art, restore, art restorers, and others have been at work identifying the materials present on da Vinci's drawings. Guadalupe Peñar, a microbiologist at the University of Natural Resources and Life Sciences in Vienna, told El País that the drawings housed a large amount of genetic material and we call uh, what we call bioarchive. Oh, that's, that's, that's a nice little title you got there, bioarchive. Until now, it had always been thought that fungi were dominant in microbial communities that colonized cultural heritage objects. But on paper, or with paper support, Pinard told the publication, the researchers have uncovered on the artwork's bacteria that lives on human skin, traces of a virus that is linked to pneumonia and microorganism that lives in intestines the full analysis of these findings have been published in the journal Frontiers in Microbiology, which states that results showed a relatively high contamination with human DNA and a surprising dominance of bacteria over fungi. This study is not the only story related to da Vinci's drawings to surface in recent days. Last week, the scholar uh, Annalisa Di Maria asserted that a newly discovered red chalk drawing of Jesus Christ can be attributed to Leonardo. And they do that, they just use, you know, <laughs> biology and science to, to make that discovery. That's that's freaking cool. And so like I said, I think that this should be something they they incorporate um, more often and make it part of uh, the discovery process. So that's cool, glad to share that one with you guys. Uh, what we have next here? The New York Times, the, so the New York Times is writing about um, John Waters. You may have known him. He's a filmmaker. Uh, he donated over 372 pieces of, of, of art to the Baltimore Museum of Art. His collection tends uh, towards the perverse, the ironic, and the cheerful um, nihilist, uh, and much of it is still uh, on his walls at home. In 1998, John Waters' movie Pecker, about a young photographer on the rise, lovingly skewers the art world with one of the filmmaker's longtime muses, Patricia Hearst. 
playing a pretentious photography collector. This week, Waters is the one playing the patron role in real life. He announced that he's going to bequest 372 works by 125 different artists, the bulk of his personal collection, that is. Trove will go to the Baltimore Museum of Art, his hometown institution. After his death, although he he uh, he works his the works may be exhibited uh, in 2022. The collection stocked with uh, photographs and works on paper includes pieces by Thomas Demand, uh, Diane Arbus, Nan Golden, Christian Marclay, Catherine. OP, and uh, there's a bunch. There's a, we got 125 different artists there. They're just they, they didn't list all 125, but they started listing a bunch. Like, I just skipped that. Oh, he's got some. He's got uh, Andy Warhol. He's got Andy Warhol also, so that's cool. Damn man, this guy has an extensive collection. Um, it's a classy lineup. Not always what you expect from Mr. Waters, uh, given his carefully developed reputation as the Pope of Trash, a nickname earned most vividly for the scene in his 1972 cult classic Pink Flamingos, in which the performer known as uh, Divine Eats Dog Feces. I haven't seen that one, and don't think I'll be checking that one. I could probably skip on that one. So on a Zoom call the other day, actually, Mr. Waters uh, uh, savored the ironies in his uh, his own fast-talking way. I've always said you have to know good taste to have good bad taste. <laughs> the Baltimore Museum's director, Christopher Bedford, put it this way. Though outrageously vulgar in his work, John is himself a man of extraordinary refinement. Uh, Mr. Bedford noted that the collection fills gaps given that, for instance, the institution has no works by Mr. Demand or Miss Opie. Uh, it's uh, a contemporary set of works, he said. The bequest announcement comes as good news for the institution, which recently called off its attempt to deaccession three valuable works by Andy Warhol. Dum dum dum. This is back again. This this where do we be? We uh, it comes up every time we, we we check into the art news. You know, outcry from some in the museum world, and he, us here at the Acrastic, uh, in particular, a group including Arnold Lehman, a former director of the museum, persuaded Mr. Bedford to withdraw the works from Sotheby's at the last minute. During our video chat, which took place, uh, this is. Uh, this is them writing about their conversation they had with Mr. Waters. Mr. Waters made clear that while he supported the goals behind the plan, he wasn't a fan of the accessioning. I'm against it, he said. Mr. Waters added that the work by uh, Mr. Martin is a favorite piece that he has dreams about. He wasn't worried about the museum eventually offloading the works that he is donating. They can't sell, he said. My collection is restricted. The gift stipulates that the museum cannot deaccession the works. The controversy was ultimately a side issue in the conversation with Mr. Waters, who has been fiercely loyal to Baltimore, setting his movies there for decades, and to the museum, which he said was central to his development as a creator. Uh, so we have another one in the camp of anti-deaccession, um, and I think maybe that's what um, you know folks are going to have to start doing is the strategy here of of um, you know making it part of the the legal legal contract. Um, Stipulating that no, you you can't deaccession any of the works that I donate, and um, but these collections are um, in the possession of these uh, galleries and museums already. So who knows what terms and conditions that were already in place for those? So, but hopefully we can 
there's a there's a vaccine coming out for this pandemic. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this in November, uh, this is right now I'm recording in November 2020, the year that we live in infamy, and uh, where we've been under pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, and there's news of several vaccines coming in the market. I say all that to say we will soon be back in these um, galleries and these uh, spaces. So hang on tight. I hope these guys just, you know, have some internal fortitude to like not go down this route of deaccession uh, while while we're uh, on, under lockdown. And we'll be out as soon as we can. Visit the galleries, <laughs> visit your uh, your gift shops. Uh, and, and we'll be able to enjoy this um, uh, and enjoy the culture and share it with our family and friends. This last piece <laughs> that I'm uh, bringing to you here uh, <laughs> is, is titled, Be <laughs> okay, so Sp Spain, oh God, Spain, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Uh, Behold the potato head of Palencia, another botched art restoration in Spain. This is hilarious. And you're going to have to look this up yourself. You're going to have to check it out. Uh, the before and after picture of a melted face with two round cavities standing in for eyes. A misshapen lump approximating a nose and an agape maw of a mouth. Behold, <laughs> the latest art restoration gone completely wrong in Spain. Wow. The, the before and after picture is amazing. It, is, it looks so funny. There's a, so it's a sculpture. Of course, it's a, a statue restoration that they, they did here uh, in the Spanish city of Palencia. And it looks, the whoever restored this, you know, I think it was like a child did it. It's, it looks like, uh, what they call it? Guy Gumby. It looks like claymation. <laughs> it looks like claymation. This this uh, revered looking statue at first, and then the restoration. They straight up somebody got paid for this. <laughs> That's funny. They should keep it this way. It's just so funny. Again, a lot of the things for me when it comes to art is the lore and the story behind it, and just for this to be such a goof up. I don't even understand how they could fix it again like if, they, if this the way that this uh restorer botched this thing so badly <laughs> I, I don't understand how they could ever uh try to redo it and, and and get it back to close to its original form but anyways they continue in the article here the botched work uh, which is being likened to a potato head came to widespread public attention via facebook posts and photos from palencia based artist antonio guzman capo uh, Oh, Capel, probably. The Palencia Restoration is the latest in an infamous line of unprofessional art rehabs in Spain, including a 2012 repainting of a 19th century fresco of Jesus done by an 81-year-old church member that gained unfortunate international nickname of Monkey Christ. <laughs> hey, evolution after all, right? More recent incidents in Spain include a day glow repainting of a 15th century wooden sculpture of the Virgin Mary, St. Anne, and the infant Jesus, the redoing of a 500-year-old St. George figure that turned him into a toy soldier, and multiple failed attempts to give the Virgin Mary a makeover and a copy of a painting by the Baroque artist uh, Bartolome Esteban Murillo. The Palencia statue, which 
formerly was of a smiling lady placed within a country scene, adorns part of the facade of a bank in this city of some 78,000 in the country's north. The art newspaper reports that the statue was originally unveiled in 1923. In Spain, professional art restorers and conservationists uh, are once again calling for stricter oversight. You think? You think? It's about time. So that's how it pretty much ends. It, um, you know, it's it's hilarious. It's funny. Um, it's a cartoon. I mean, they turned this thing into a cartoon. And uh, you definitely got to look it up. So that's uh, those are our headlines in art news. Uh, and now let's get back to our artist, Hank Willis Thomas. Hank is an American conceptual artist, working primarily with themes related to identity, history, and pop culture. In 1976, Hank was born in Plainleaf, New Jersey. His mother, Deborah Willis, uh, sorry, Dr. Deborah Willis, is an art photographer and an NYU professor. His father, also Hank Thomas, is a jazz musician, film producer, physicist, and a member of the Black Panther Party. Today, he lives in um, lives and works in Brooklyn, New York, and is married to the assistant curator for the Whitney Museum of American Art, Rujeko Hockley. Man, this family is <laughs> is not to be messed with. They have all the letters after their uh, their their names. Uh, leave some for the rest of us. Thomas is a savant on his own right, uh, in his own right. He holds a BFA in photography and Africana studies from NYU and a master's in photography and visual criticisms from the California College of Arts. In 2000, and, uh, that was in 2000, he got that in 2004. In 2017, he received honorary doctorates from the Maryland Institute uh, College of Art and the Institute for uh, Doctoral Studies in the Visual Arts. Very renowned folks. Uh, you love to see it. His um, Thomas's body of work constructs dialogue around the stereotypical images of African Americans that media outlets seek to exploit and profit uh, profit from in film and television, as well as advertising. Um, uh, you know, during, with alcohol, uh, apparel, food, hair care products, cigarettes, and you know, a bunch of you know commercial items. Inspired by the works of Carrie Mae Weems. Um, Lorna Simpson and his mother, a renowned photographer herself, he employs language and familiar imagery to address issues that are often overlooked in our pop culture obsessed consumerist culture. Hank works in multiple mediums, including collaborative projects, combining familiar images from sports and advertising with histories of art and politics, conceptual artists. Uh, Hank examines popular culture and how art can raise awareness in the ongoing struggle of social justice and civil rights. He achieves this through a range of visually dynamic, approachable artworks. His um, photographs, sculptures, and interactive media installations encourage thoughtful inquiry, inquiry uh, demanding that we explore that which divides us. I, I'm reminded of uh, two screen prints of his. Um, in 2013, uh, one of them's called And I Can't Run, and the other Blow the Man Down. In, in these, he expresses the erasure of past injustices to the black male body 
by printing photographs of humiliations and executions of black men on retro reflective vinyl. This is the stuff that's usually used on uh, street signs. So by doing this, uh, they're render he rendered them invisible except under flash photography. Very creative. Today's ekphrastic poem is quite a juxtaposition. While Thomas depicts a theme of struggle and oppression, today's poem looks at that same picture, but falls in love. You'll see what I mean in a few minutes. Today, we're featuring Hank Willis Thomas's 2003 portrait, Basketball and Chain. So again, here's how we do this. Uh, this is a description of a visual art piece. So, as I'm speaking, I want you to go check out the ekphrastic page on my website, darwindarker.com. Uh, you can also check the show notes. There should be a link there. At the website, you will find a catalog of all the artwork we discuss. To accompany today's reading, I want you to pull up the image of Hank Willis Thomas, Thomas's Basketball and Chain. I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. Dear Basketball, from the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all, from my mind and body to my spirit and soul. As a six-year-old boy, deeply in love with you, I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle, I gave you my heart. Because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and the hurt. Not because challenge called me. But because you called me. I did everything for you. Because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream. And I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind. But my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we both can savor every moment we have left together. The good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know 
No matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds on the clock, ball in my hands. Five, four, three, two, one. That's right. We have to thank the late, great Kobe Bryant for this reading. Dear Basketball, it was a uh, 2017 animated film written and narrated by Kobe Bryant. I believe he won a, um, might have won an, an Oscar or an Emmy. Um, I think it, think it was an Oscar for a short film. Right, it was written and narrated by Kobe Bryant. The film is based on a letter Bryant wrote for the Players' Tribune in uh, November 2015, in which he was announcing his retirement from basketball. Hank Thomas has been an instructor in the MFA program at Yale University and the Maryland Institute College of Art and is a 2018 Guggenheim Fellowship Award winner. His work has been exhibited throughout the United States and abroad, including uh, the International Center of Photography in New York, the Guggenheim in Spain, uh, in Paris, uh, the Hong Kong Art Center, uh, even in the Netherlands. In 2019, Thomas unveiled his permanent work, Unity, in Brooklyn, New York. In 2017, um, Love Our Rules was a permanent neon, was unveiled in San Francisco, California. And the work titled All Power to All People in Opelika, Florida. I have a lot of folks that are down there in South Florida, so I'm definitely going to put a little earworm, um, you know, into their uh, consciousness so that they can, you know, go seek Hank Willis Thomas's work out down there in South Florida. So that that was awesome. Um, glad to have the words of uh, Kobe Bryant to accompany today's episode. Uh, and that's going to do it for us today. It's been fun. I, I love sharing this stuff with you. Thanks for joining me on this journey. For Again, for the work that we discuss, uh, the artwork that we discuss, the acrostic page on my website, darwindocker.com, is where you can find this stuff catalog for your viewing pleasure. I'm Darwin Darko, faking it till I make it. <laughs> Thanks for listening.